What do you get for the new one? Um, 32-bit recording. Um, Which is feels like kind of a scam. Yeah, I Just mean... Set your, you know, set your levels. Kids these days with their automatic I mean, exposure. They, seriously, they want everything done for it. How many things have been? How many things have been recorded without thirty-two bit float over the past one hundred and fifty yeah, years? Sure, I think that thirty-two bit float. It's funny when we were recording. By the way, this is on taking pictures episode. What did we say? Three fifty-three. Three fifty-three. Three five three. So wait, what 20. is that? Five, six, seven, eight, eleven, eleven years. No, three plus. Five plus three. Oh, oh, I see. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just. You know. what, what do you What do you like the? Uh, I've, the... I've been I've been getting into numerology lately, so I'm trying to find I'm trying to find connections. You're reading the Talmud. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, the three five three is also the same as meat and camera. If you add them, right? Right. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I lost my train of thought. Anyway, oh, when I was saying when we were recording last week, I noticed because we just clipped on those mics and walked. Well, Mo- it's yeah, because with the road, you got to plug it into a computer to set the levels. That's a good idea. Actually, it's true. It's not. It, that's not true uh, from really? what I what I figured out in the last week. How do you set the levels? Um, you uh, on the bottom of the receiver, the third one that plugs into the camera. You can, uh, you can, there's two buttons, one to like choose which one you're controlling. And then you hit the other one and it cycles through the different, uh, levels and you can even turn on the pad on each one. Wait a minute. What do you mean? It cycles through the levels. It, uh, it goes for uh, there. There's like, like full you, half quarter, whatever. full down 12 DB down 24 DB. Interesting. Yeah. Which should be enough. But what I noticed was that that only affects what's coming out of the receiver going into a camera set. Oh, so it's not really affecting levels that are being recorded on each of the transmitters. Right. But you right. can also turn on a pad on each of the trans, uh, each of the transmitter things. So I noticed that apparently I'm much louder than you are. Um, I noticed that there were a couple <laughs> moments. <don't> <laughs> <laughs> Captain Obvious over here. <laughs> um, I noticed that uh, I actually clipped a couple times. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know what you need, Bill. You need the Rode Wireless Go Pro Two Seven Four Eight. No, I think I just need to turn my pad float. on. Yeah. You know, some people find pads uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah so it's it's uh still some tweaking but it's kind of neat tech you know i will tell you this tom in michigan said that we sounded all right yeah i really liked walking around um uh, that was fun it was it was fun to to sort of be in the same space yes yes but also just to i really i listened to it back i really enjoyed listening to some of the ambient Uh, there's there's just a different quality to it interesting now would you have preferred had i done some panning and had it be like a 3d representation no okay yeah that's fine uh also i wanted to just say thank a quick thank you to andrew in seattle for his voicemail as well thank you andrew um you know I, i wonder if we 
have we have we explicitly said that if you leave a voicemail, then maybe we can use it on the show or you're 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 by proxy giving permission to use it on the show? Because it would moving forward, it would be kind of fun to cut some of these in sure. rather than just talking about them. Well, um, well, let's say that this is officially a uh, if you leave a message, it may be used on the show. <laughs> Unless you explicitly say otherwise. Whatever, whatever you say may be used against Can you. Can and yeah. will be used against you on, on Taking Pictures. <laughs> bum, bum. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is fun walking around. It, in person is a, I mean, it's always a different vibe, right? Yeah, yeah. Is and it, you got a $10 smoothie, which was nice. <laughs> or no, not even a smoothie, a slush. Actually, my favorite part of the $10 slushy is that in the end, I handed it to you as I hopped in a cab. <laughs> Yeah, well, like half, still half full. And I was like, "What? okay, there's a did trash can you, here. Did you find a trash can? Oh, yeah, it was right up the street by the okay. bus stop. Okay, good. Um, yeah. yeah here, ta- here, take this. Hold this for me, won't you? Jeeves, so very, can you please get rid of this? So very Bill. I need to get in the car. <laughs> I must go. I will give this to you as a parting gift. Yeah. Um, I also, you know, there's. I don't know. You know, when I was younger, I, I, I liked art museums and now I really like art museums, but I'm coming to the place where I'm good going in. I like it better when I can go in, see what I want to see and not feel pressured to see all of it because it's the only time I'm there, which sometimes yeah. happens when I'm in a foreign country or a different right. crazy city. You know, it's like, I don't know when I'm going to be in wherever again, Glasgow. Right. So I got to go look at everything in the place, you know? Right, right. Um. Being in D.C. because my sister lives down there and you live down there, it's like, okay, well, I can go. You know, today, Conrad and I are going to see the uh, Ed Ruscher show at uh, MoMA. Yep. Uh, who just, Shepard Ferry just posted about that. He oh, went, did he? he? Okay. Yeah, he flew out to see it. Well, it's in a lot of ways, it's sort of a precursor to him, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you could make definitely make the connection. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but you know, I, I don't feel like I need to go see everything cause I live in New York and we're MoMA members. So I can just, we can just mm-hmm. go in see it for 20 minutes and, and head out, you know, if we want. Does it to. feel to, going back to that point for a sec, does it feel not disrespectful? That's the wrong word, but does it feel like you're not giving the art it's due when you have to just blast through it because you know that you may not be back for a year or three or five or ever? Oh, I see what you're Does saying. It, so you, I, I thought you were going the other way, saying like if just by popping in and popping out is that disrespectful there. You're saying by popping in and needing to see everything, it it feels disrespectful. Yes, okay. you're just whizzing by it and and going just so you can say that you've seen it, but you haven't really seen it. Do you um, know what I mean? Sure. Uh, I <laughs> last year uh, my mother came down with my aunt Margaret. I think I may have told the version of the story on the show. I'll just say the 10 second version, but she had never been to the Met before my, um, mm-hmm. my godmother. Mm-hmm. And so we went to the Met and we walked in the European painting stuff from the, you know, 19th century European painting section. And she's looking at one painting, reading the label, walking to the next painting, reading the label. And, you know, three minutes later, she's seven paintings in. Right. And you've and- already been through the museum and had a coffee. No, well, all I could think in my head was there are 700 rooms like this. Right. Like you, like, obviously there's stuff that's going to speak to her. That's not going to speak to me, but right. I'm pretty learned in this stuff. And I've been here a lot of times. Let me show you some of the highlights, you know, um, right. 
because doing it this way, we don't have a week and a half to see the museum. Right. Um, it's it's it, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Don't start at the beginning. Exactly. So yeah. I basically said, you know, I love you, but we can't do it this way. We, you know, like, right. let me show you some stuff because we got a lot to see. Um, and so when I go to museums, like if I'm at the Prado in Madrid or whatever it is, I don't, I've, we've been there once. I don't know that I'm going to, when I'm going to go back to Madrid. I, there were lots of the Velasquez is there. There's all kinds of stuff there that's really cool and amazing. Did I look at every painting for five minutes? No. Were there some paintings I didn't look at for five minutes? Yes. Were there some I looked at for 15 minutes? Yes. So I'll, mm -hmm. I'll walk in a room and, and just look around and see what grabs me and go look at that. There have been times where, say, something that, Sandy and I discuss on speaking of seeing, I'll realize after the fact, oh my God, I was in that museum and I don't remember this painting. Hmm. You know, that kind of thing where yeah. it got past me because I didn't know enough about it beforehand, yeah. you know? Um, and had I been there now, I would have taken a lot longer and spent time looking at this thing because I know so much more about it because she brought it up or whatever. Um, that happens sometimes. Yeah. But, but I, I, there, I don't know what I can do about that. You know, I mean, Life is learning, right? Well, I mean, I, th I think it's, you know, you, you kind of hit on it earlier. You you live in New York, so you can go to any of those museums virtually any time. Yep. I'm the same way with D.C. Right. And, and I've, it's changed my relationship to art in that. And, and it's a little different in D.C. because they're all free, most of them. I mean, sure. the Phillips collection is, is pay. But, you know, within the Smithsonian system, it's all free so that you can pop in. And it's why I, I typically go see a show multiple times. So that I can absorb, I can, I can go through it and see what speaks to me. Like the first time I went through Lang, you know, I kind of zipped through it and went, okay, I want to come back and look at this. And, oh, this is great the way they've done this. And, you know, same with Rothko, you sure. know, and then going through it with someone else to see what grabs them, like to see what, what you hit on or didn't hit on and how that was different from what spoke to me. I find that really fascinating. So anytime that I can go through it again, especially with another person, that that opens up a different world because it's it you're going to notice things that maybe I didn't notice or the, or the something speed, is going to connect to you. The speed with which you went through them with me was that fast for you, normal for you, or or slow for you? That's probably pretty normal because I tend to go through things multiple times. So right, so you you move as fast or slightly faster than even I would. Yeah, but so, partially because I've I've seen that sure, twice already now. Sure, sure, sure. You know, it, uh, I went to uh, the Mene Degas thing with with uh, uh, my friend Bianca's mother, Karen, while she was mm -hmm. in town. And she's been taking art lessons where she's been sketching lately. Yeah. So she was going over to all the preliminary sketches and was really oh. into those. Right, right, right. Because that's what she's doing right now. Right. You know, so there's also, you know, if, if I'll go into a, a show and if it's something that in any way relates to the kind of stuff I like to make, I may push towards, oh, I really love the composition in that painting. Right. That gives me an idea for some picture I want to take or something. That 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 also can happen, right? Where it's like I it might not be the hits. It might not be for example, I while I appreciate the preliminary drawings and I like taking a quick look at them and seeing, oh, look how they changed before they got to the final thing. Right. Those to me, I just want to jump to the final thing. Because to me, <laughs> right, those are right. those are the sketches. Like, show me the actual thing. Yeah, you know? I don't need to solve for X. Just show me X. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's interesting. In the same way that you know, you and I were saying last week that the uh, the stuff at the Rothko show. It's like I don't know that I loved a ton of that art on its own for its own sake. 
Exactly. But, but I found it fascinating as a process thing. Yeah. Seeing where it him. led, that was interesting. You could see him chipping away to yeah. ultimately get where he got. And yeah. that, yeah, you're right. But on its own as a body of work, if a lot of that stuff didn't have the name Rothko on it, you wouldn't yeah. give it a second glance. The first half of it. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, so, so some of it is a process thing and it's interesting. And, and, I, and I think that maybe we do ourselves a disservice by, you know, we, we went to the Louvre with my mom in the fall and, you know, my mother got to see the Mona Lisa and she got to see, you know, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the other Da Vinci's there and, you know, all that kind of stuff. To some extent, places like the Louvre are, you need to go there. You need to see the, see the Mona Lisa. So there's a picture of my mother in front of the Mona Lisa. Great. She saw the Mona Lisa and she spent some time looking at the Mona Lisa. But the Mona Lisa has 700 people around it. It's not right. like she gets to stand in front of it for five minutes, like really looking at the details. So some of it ends up being, oh, yeah, I've seen the Mona Lisa. You can see the Mona Lisa better on a computer screen than you can see it at the Louvre. Yeah, sure. You know, but so, there is something about that shared experience. Of course. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's like it's it, and, and you know, in a, in a non-religious way. I see all these things as bits of pilgrimages, you know, it's, sure. it's, yeah, sure. it's like, these are like secular temples to me. Yeah. yeah it's sure. like, Oh wow. I'm in the room where the Mona Lisa is, or I'm in the room where Guernica is, or, you know, like to me that, that is, these are cultural touchstones that I have now have a shared experience with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, to that point, I have a very different takeaway and a very different feeling when I go in the tower at the East building where they've, they've got the big Rothko paintings sure. and you've got to pass through that Barnett Newman stations of the cross to get yep. to it. I mean, that's, that's a much more impactful experience for me yep. than walking through the works on paper that said, you know, like, like you said earlier, and, and we talked about this afterwards, those paintings that are hanging on the wall in the tower wouldn't have been possible if not for that work on in, in, in the other show. Sure. And, and in that case, that's that whole setup up top is purposefully made to feel like a chapel, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, sure. I mean, it's, it's, you know, they're even they're even cribbing the religious aspect of it. They're pumping it up a notch. Yeah. You know, uh, but, you know, before before we met the last week, you know, I went over to the, the I was in the um, National Archives, you know, and that's definitely right. uh, feels like a, you're in a temple. Right. Mm. Uh, with the book right there where the altar would be and it's the constitution, yeah, right. you know, I mean, it's right. like, it's all set up exactly that way. I don't know. I find it interesting. Um, yeah. How you doing this week? What's going on? Uh, Christmas good doing this week. Christmas yeah, bad. You know, it was Monday. So, you know, it's, I, it's, I'm, I'm glad it's over. I'm yeah, glad me it's, too. Over. It's, it's always a hard time of year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of Christmas. So it's like, you know, it's there, it's, it feels, it's stressful, you know, the whole process. It is. But now that it's, it's passed, it's good. We can look forward to, you know. <laughs> new Year's where we can. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in bed by nine, but you know, Wait, the you, new year itself. You don't stay up? No, I haven't stayed up for years. Yeah. I used to, but you know, I mean. I guess if, 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 you know, in some ways, if I stayed up until midnight, I would still be, you know, going to bed at nine on the West Coast. So it kind of evens out. But now <laughs> I just go to bed at nine. You know, I, I've, I've moved the bar. I did go to bed at nine here. I, I don't know. It just, I don't know. One one time years ago, I ended up at a New Year's party at a friend's of a friend's uh, apartment. 
on 53rd Street and Broadway. Okay. 7th Avenue, somewhere there. And it, you know, things were happening in the party. It was, you know, normal party stuff going on inside. And at right towards midnight, I went outside and I walked over and looked down the 10 blocks towards Times Square. And I was far enough out of it where I wasn't in a crowd. But I just remember standing alone as they counted down to zero, like staring down into the sort of the, 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 the past the event horizon of the, of the, of the, uh, black hole, you know, into could, Times Square. Could you see the ball drop? Uh, it was obscured from where I was by a building, but you know, I could hear the roar of the crowd from, yeah. you know, a half mile away. Yeah. Uh, and it's the closest could, I ever want to be to that. You could hear Ryan Seacrest squealing at the, the drop of the ball. God, isn't it crazy? <laughs> It's how do you know where do you come in on uh, on uh, New Year's resolutions and all that kind of stuff? Uh, I don't really do resolutions. I, I there are ideas that I have, you know, pen, <clears throat> excuse me, pen down that I you know that I'd like to explore. Yeah, um, yeah. but they're broad strokes. Um, so somebody, I've let myself down too many times in the past to actually make a list. <laughs> somebody, somebody, uh, uh, my friend Matt down in down in D.C. was saying the other night that he and his son, yeah, don't come up with specific things to do, but it'll it'll be an idea. Like you know, this year I'm going to try to be more social. You know what I mean? And, and have yeah. that be the thing, or yeah, I want to try to be more deliberate about this. You know what I mean? That where where. It's just putting a little weight on a certain corner to see where the gravity takes it. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah, I think is kind of I would nice. say, yeah, I would say I want to travel. Yeah. And I won't even say more because I haven't really traveled at all since the pandemic. I mean, I took one trip to California, but other than that, you know, I, I know that Adrian and I miss that and we travel well together. We enjoy the way each other travels. So right. I know that that wants to be a thing. What that looks like, I don't want to say, oh, well, we're going to go here, here, and here. I just want to put it in a big bucket and go, okay, I want to travel more. Or, you know, I'd, I'd love to start writing another book. Right. right. What right. that looks like, I don't know. Is it fiction? I don't know. Is it, I, I, I don't know. Fiction. Yeah. Interesting. I have this idea of doing a, a fictionalized version of the the history of my grandparents. Okay, sure. Um, because they were they were characters, and uh, I know some of the stories, but I'd have to fill in some of the holes. So it would be a, you know, a fictionalized account of their of their life together, um, and some of the things that I that I know I've written down, and then I can I can kind of fill in the gaps. So I don't know. I've been thinking about that. Now, where, real broad strokes. Where did they were they California people? No, uh, my grandfather was a moonshiner and a pool hustler in Omaha, Nebraska. Your grandfather was a movie character? Kind of. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He met my grandmother um, at a at a barn dance because he was selling moonshine to the to the boys. When the he dance. took her current boyfriend for one hundred fifty dollars at the tables. No, but he did leave him in a cornfield and went back to give my grandmother a ride home. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. You should write that yeah. up. Yeah. I mean, and there, there, there are a bunch of. It doesn't. It does sound like a movie. I mean, people that I've that I've shared some of the stories with, they're like, "Oh man, you got to write this down." Yeah. 
You know, I bet it's I bet you it's one of those things where even if you sat down and just wrote down the story as many stories as you can remember while you can remember them. You know yeah. what I mean? Because they're gonna fade away. Or yeah. or read them and just throw the ideas into a microphone, you know, just sit sit down and talk yeah. and, and talk it yeah. out. Just get them all down and see if there's a shape that it makes. Cause it may be that in the fictionalized version you can move things around and and you know, add yeah. and subtract and play around and yeah, that would be really interesting. I have yeah. an idea. I have an idea for a book or a screenplay, maybe a book this time, uh, a murder mystery that has a an, what I think is an interesting twist. Hmm. Um, and it's like, well, maybe I should just start playing with the outlines of it to see if it actually ends up having a shape. You know, like like a, like, and, a, like, and I think that's what you can coat. do. Yeah. That's what you have to do. I've talked to a number of my friends who are writers, um, both, you know, fiction, nonfiction and screenwriters. And they all say the same thing. Just start writing. Yeah. You don't you don't get to know where it goes yet. You know, you 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 just write down what you know and then you can fill in what you don't or you let the characters fill in what you don't know. Yeah. You know, when I when I started doing this, the writing stuff a couple of years ago, everyone said, oh, yeah, well, do you have an outline for this? Have you worked up a a, a ten page uh, uh, treatment before you start writing dialogue? And I'm like, no. And they're like, oh, you got you got to have a ten page treatment, you know? <laughs> right. Oh, and there's your problem, you you know? No treatment, no script. Yeah, yeah. How do you know what's going to happen? It's just like, well, because sometimes you know the way I've always worked, and it, and you and I have talked about this a little bit before, where. You know, even when I was doing flash stuff or doing web stuff or doing whatever, planning to do it never works, right? It's always just sort of jumping in and figuring, hitting a wall and figuring out how to get around the wall and hitting the next wall and figuring out how to get around the next wall. That's how I've learned any sort of programming I've ever done. That's how I've learned photography. That's how I learned everything. And I feel like writing is the same way for me. It's like, it's not about finding the whole story and then starting and building it out. Mm -hmm. Part of finding the story is just, writing a scene of dialogue to see who the characters are and then knowing, Oh, now th there's going to be a scene later where the two of them are in a bar and talking about this. So let me just write that scene. And then you start sort of putting the jigsaw puzzle together as opposed right. to knowing what the picture is already, you know? Um, and, and I don't think that there's any right way to work or wrong way to work. And I think that people who say that there is are the ones who are wrong, you know? Well, it's yes and no. I mean, it's right for them. Well, that's you know? what I'm saying. But I, but, but it, what's right for them might not be right for me and vice versa. Yeah. You know? I mean, my friend Jude still uses the analog method of index cards. He'll put up, you know, 40 scenes or whatever it is. On a wall. On a wall and arrange the scenes so that there's a timeline that makes sense. Yeah. And then he'll go back and fill it in with action and dialogue and, and settings and, and, and detail it out. But first he wants to get the framework of of what are the big beats of the story sure sure and then and we can drill down yeah and i, I yeah. know other people who start with okay scene one interior yes and they start that way yeah yeah they're telling a story they it's already yeah. mapped out right yeah. yeah yeah and i i i think that you know we read stories about how our favorite artists worked and oh this guy shot this way and this woman photographed in this process and that's why her work is the way it is it's like no the work is the way that her work is because she's the one who made it you know what i mean that that yeah. that that her specific process is what worked for her but you can't take that process to make her work 
you need to come up with your own process to make your own work. Yes. You know. Yeah. Because it's going to get filtered through you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was talking to Sean the other day and we were talking about portraits because I have this, this project that I want to work on next year. Finally, it's been in my head for years. And one of the components of it is, is uh, taking a picture. You and I may have even touched on it briefly. Taking a picture of the the person or persons yep. that I talk to, yep. uh, both for me and for them, and Sean sent me this this portrait that he did that is is almost identical to what I could see myself wanting to do. And I was like, okay, how'd you do this? Yeah. And he's like, okay, well, here's how you did it. And he told me what gear he used and how far the light was, and you know, and so I, I I got Adrian. We went down in the in the in the studio and. I, I set up my light like he, like he, you know, okay, about here, distance, subject, distance, and I've got this here and about this far from the background and it didn't look anything like his, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it looked really neat. Sure. Like I, I, I went, actually, that's what I'm looking for. Right. You found your version of it. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I couldn't, in, in the same way, you could tell me exactly how you do things. Right. And. I could go set up in the basement or, you know, whatever, and I'm going to get completely different results. Sure. But I think there's value. I don't think I know for me, for me only, there's value in going to someone who has more expertise than I and going, how would you do this? Right. And then, and then sort of chimping their expertise, but letting it filter through me to produce something wholly unique. Sure. Yeah. 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 Which, and, and, I think that there there's I have tended to um feel you're totally right in the way that you're talking about doing that and I totally agree and that's a absolutely 100% valid way to do it. I have in the past felt as if that was cheating cuz I didn't come up with the knowledge on my own. Mm. But I think I'm wrong for that. Hmm. You know. Like I it, sometimes I I felt I mean, of course, I'll crib other people's things or I'll look at their lighting and say, oh, how did they do? I'll look at Stefan Laveau's stuff and I'll be like, oh, how does he do that? Oh, he's using a silver reflector. and Oh, that's why it looks like the way. And OK, I should try using a silver reflector more often or whatever. Right. <clears throat> but in the past, I've also felt like if I want to make bread, well, I better start tilling the soil to grow the grain. Because otherwise, what have I proven? And And this is totally in my own head. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? The, 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 this like need to sort of derive the proof from first principles, which is not how the world works. Right. And, you know, and that, that kind of, mm, it's something I have to get over <laughs> because I, I've, I've done that. I've, 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 I've looked at other people's work or, or, or talk to people and figure out how they do things and then try to do what they do. And I always feel like I'm just copying or cribbing or something. Um, right. But you can't because it's still going to go through you. It's still going to go through me. Totally. You, you have, you have stood there. You've even assisted one of the great portrait photographers of all time. Yeah. Dan Winters. Yeah. I, you see exactly how he does it. You see how he talks to his subject. You see how he does his, po- your photos don't look like his. No. No. And his don't look like yours. Nope. And it's, that's okay because we don't need another Dan. Probably because I didn't put my light 20 feet in the air. But <laughs> whatever it is. I don't is. know how he did that too. It's amazing. Um, know, it, yeah. It's, there, there's a, 
I, I will I will beat this drum forever. We don't need another X, whoever it is that you want to sure. copy shot for shot, like for like. We need another you. Yes. We need another you. Jeffrey, you're getting uh uh philosophical in your old age. <sighs> it's about time something happened. <laughs> I can't just keep being sappy. I we guess. need another I you. I like that. We need another you. Yeah. Now, whether whether anybody cares or not, did okay? Did you did you, you can't control that though? You can't control absolutely, that. absolutely. And I'm and I'm teaching what I you know what's what's the what's the we t- we teach what we most need to learn. Is okay. that Richard Bach? I don't know. That Is sounds that pretty good from? though. Illusions. I think that's. Uh, I think we it's teach Richard what Bach. we need to learn. Richard Bach. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, so I'm I'm saying all this stuff that I need to hear myself. Sure. You know, and and I have been my own worst critic. I've been my own worst enemy. I've been my own best cheerleader. Not very often, yeah. but you know, it, 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 it you, the idea that you can't control what other people are going to like or not like about your work. That's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. If I just put more on Instagram, more people will like me. If I just, if I just write better copy more people no, no 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 that's not gonna be no. the difference yeah i wonder if for anybody but then again to take devil's advocate mm-hmm. the rothko stuff if he was middling 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 figured something be, be, from all that fiddling something changed and something clicked and then people started to care but was that two questions yeah was that click driven by something internal sure. or something external. Yep. And I don't know enough about Mr. Rothko to know whether that's one or the other. Right. And number two, it it doesn't seem like when it clicked for him, it doesn't seem like he ever left. He just kept refining and he just kept doing that thing. Yep. And I don't know what the, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot about him. So I don't know what the reaction was to his work then as opposed to what it is now i know what it is now people can't get enough of it it's been a very good year for mark rothko right but you know you look at somebody else look at somebody like van gogh who never sold a painting right while he was alive sure you know or pollock who right. i think what what, what pollock made what five thousand dollars was the most he ever made for a painting and yes. you and i were even talking about that like lavender mist is hanging right there in the gallery yep is it great it's 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 great in the sense that he broke through to a place that nobody had been before and that's that's pretty great that's pretty great he 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 ended up somewhere that that nobody had gotten to before but as you and i were both talking i find some of his earlier work more interesting than the drips yes i i find most of it more interesting than the drips the drips is like a neat idea but it, it, you know, it's 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 like the uh, the Warhol stuff where you're you know doing like photocopies of people basically doing the screen printing. It's like that's yeah. eh, a neat idea, but like then now what? You know, um, and you also the one other the question to add to the the myth or the mis- mystery of the Rothko success is maybe it was just that when he came up with that stuff, it was the right time to come up with that stuff. Sure. Maybe it's maybe it wasn't that he, as much that he changed. It's just that the world was ready to see what he was doing, yeah. or 
it was in vogue or the CIA was paying money for that kind of art because they wanted to show up the Soviets or whatever. Right. You know, I mean, we have no idea right. what, what goes into any of this stuff or, you we know, the galleries in New York thought Agent that. Roscovich. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, or, 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 you know, the galleries in New York were sick and tired of X and they wanted Y. So they moved in this direction, you know, because somebody yeah. had dinner with somebody and it was his son's best friend or what, what, who knows? Right. There's so much out of everyone's control that it's, it's a really, I don't know. I, I find it, I find it very interesting. Um, I said, I sent you this article yesterday. Did you read this, the, the, the conversation the New York between Times these people? Things? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Switching gears. Switching gears. The New York Times put in, uh, and I'll I'll put a, I'll find a way to put a link in the show notes. Uh, had had a had a opinion piece yesterday about uh, the use of AI to make imagery. Is that fair? Whether AI imagery is photography, and they're talking to all these AI artists about how they feel about all this which, stuff, and they have a, a such a funny term to me. Which part? AI artist. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and what various re- prompt engineers were just dis- were were consulted. Is that is that what it actually says? <laughs> I've heard that term, prompt engineer. Oh, it's like really okay. And in the in the same way that the guy who gets the carts at the grocery store is a lot engineer, is yeah, that is that yeah, about yeah. the equivalent there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And now a couple of these people are feeding their own imagery into these systems and then using prompts to mix the mix what they've made. That yes. to me is interesting. That is much more interesting than saying, you know, generate blah 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 yeah. blah blah. Take all the photographs that are in getty.com and make me an image of this kind of person standing on this kind of thing with this kind of yes. hat on. Iterating on your own imagery far more interesting to me than stealing from someone else. Or the person, there's the strange with a four instead of an A because, you know, elite, elite speak, uh, right. <laughs> who's an anonymous artist. Uh, How many people are even going to get that reference, elite speak? <laughs> I don't know. Somebody, Somebody's going to send us an email. Uh, somebody's still rocking their baby AT turbo. <laughs> yeah. It was, I was actually talking to my nephew, Bert, about this the other day because his handle on Fortnite is something and... Somebody had a, somebody had a, you know, a four for a something or, you know, whatever the, whatever the thing was. And I was just like, what, what are you, a hacker from the early eighties? What is going on here? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, serial killer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Matthew Lillard was in Bosch. Yeah. And, and he was really good at we it. We were watching it last night. I was like, Hey, it's Matthew Lillard. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, but what I was going to say is that there's one guy who's making, oh, let me see what, what kind of fashion I could make without having to actually make fashion, just sort of explain what it is that I want. And like, mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting, but none of these things are photography to me. No, no, I agree. There's I agree. some, there's something else. And the way that all of these people talk about this, it's almost like they're trying to convince themselves and the world that what they're doing matters. There's, there's, there's one quote, there's a couple of quotes in here. One, where the people are talking about basically that I believe this uh, Alejandro Cartagena says, quote, I believe this kind of technology was inevitable because what else are we supposed to do with the trillions of images we have generated? The next person, Jacob, says, that's so interesting. The idea that these image generators were somehow a natural next step that we needed to find a way to make the glut of photos useful. 
Otherwise, we spent the last century amassing an enormous, useless pile of visual noise. Okay. okay what? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Except that the the amount of of useless AI art that's being generated exponentially every day. Yes. Is, is not actually is adding to the corpus because you're only using the real stuff as as the yeah, so, the source. Yeah, right. You're using all of these useless images, your words, not mine, yeah. as fuel to create your art that really matters. Yes. Stop it. Stop yes. it. Stop uh, it. Well, so I I you I didn't send them to you because it would have been too hard, but there are uh <laughs> hard on me emotionally yes. to look at them. Yes. There there are there are I'm saving you from yourself, Sidoris. There are comments, <laughs> one of which I really kind of loved. Let me see if I can get this out in one piece. Uh, uh, where we are instead is a postmodern, uh, postmodernist deepest nightmare where hyperreality becomes hypersurality, uh, selling the remains of our humanity in the service of ultra wealthy tech barons. Here, quote unquote, artists fancy themselves educated skeptics as they approvedly and offhandedly cite mentions in the New Yorker and assure themselves their careers will go on, and they will, as long as capital finds them useful. This pointless conversation is just another mention in a constantly updated CV, itself a constantly shifting signifier dependent on relationships with art dealers, art critics, museum curator, academics, and collectors. Good luck to all of them as they build their alternate bourgeois realities while the world burns. Oh my God, I love that so much. (laughs) If I could get that whole thing on a t-shirt, I would wear it proudly. Isn't that great? Yes. (laughs) They're alternate bourgeois reality. While the world burns. And there is something about that, right? Good luck with your bougie AI art. Well, as somebody points out, you know, yes, it's true that photography is always a lie because we can move what we have in front of the lens and they're selecting and all of that is true. But something was in front of the the thing that was in front of the lens. Yeah, there was was a reality. Yes, there was a reality there somewhere. You're recording you something that was in front of the lens and yeah. light bounced off yeah. of it. Yes. You could go all Steve McCurry and, you know, move little things out. Okay, fine. You could go, you could go Jerry Ulsman and, and, you know, combine seven different images into, but all of those images were, were there. Like the stuff was, it didn't, it didn't just get generated from yes. thin air. Yeah. By yeah. you, you know, congratulations. You're good at describing something. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I just, and, yes. and yeah. at what point do we need humans to come up with the prompts? At that point, just let the machines come up with the prompts that make the machines make the images. And then humans are entirely out of the thing. The other, the other thing I love in this is the idea that, well, you know what? Life moves on, man. And, and you know what? Real art collectors will still enjoy the work of artists because it's real. And it's like, you have to understand that 99% of the money that artists make in the world is making commercial art, is not making fine art. You're making art to photographs to be used by a corporation or, you know, paintings to be be the background in a movie thing or whatever it is, right? That that the, the commercial art is where artists make a living. And if they can't make a living, they're not going to be able to make art. Right. So you're taking away the one slim lifeline that human artists have to actually be able to make art unless you have a trust fund. And so in quote unquote democratizing art, you're actually doing the opposite. 
and you're removing the human experience. You're removing, you know, how many songs were written out of rejection, out of loss, out of anger, out of fear? How many art, how many pieces of art were made out of, out of some catastrophe of the human experience? Yeah. Do you think, though, there's one element they say in here that I thought was actually kind of interesting where they said if you ask a one of these machines, to, which has looked at all these images, to describe greed in an image, it will actually come up with a better version of greed than anybody else could because it has all those images to take from and it can basically distill greed out of trillions of images. But isn't it just solving for greed at that point? Maybe, yeah. And maybe... The, maybe the 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 averaged version of greed is not nearly as impactful as a single imperfect version of greed, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't want to sound like, you know, old man, get off my lawn, because I do think the tech is impressive. I think it's evolving incredibly rapidly. Oh, it's It's a very neat tool for very specific things. But the idea that this is somehow... I don't, I, this is different than photography. This is something else, but it still relies on humans making images to be useful, right? Yes. Yeah. Because it, it needs, it needs, it needs source images. Right. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. So if you say, you know, I, show me a picture of a sunset from Maui on, you know, the winter solstice, sure, it's going to generate that for you. But it, it it's not going to be the same as standing there you and, know, and yeah. comp, you know, composing an image yourself or, or I don't know. It just, I used to be a real, soulless. I used, yeah, I used to be a real tech, uh, not apologist, but sort of fan of the idea of let's let technology, let's let technology have free reign and see where it goes. Cause we don't know where it's going to head. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like technology is getting to the point where it's so corporatized and it's so much about just capital and venture capital and funding and stocks and billionaires getting even more rich. It's just sort of sucking money out of society as opposed to making society better. Um, It's, it's, it's interesting. I, I I no longer want to support big giant corporations that are going to end up with making things even more inequitable than they already yeah, are. Yeah, I mean, look, okay, look, look. What was look at robotics, right? Yep. As as robotics advance, I mean, not the first, but what was one of the first things they made? A dog that they could mount a gun on. <laughs> <laughs> Because why not? Because all the people who are the engineers have seen Terminator, right? I mean, yeah. okay. They, they didn't. They didn't make a machine that can help old people in Japan not have to have caretakers or whatever. Yeah, or or you know something that's going to benefit society as a whole, not just keep them in a specific area. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it just yeah. feels it feels so wonky, man. Do are we? At, I guess there's a big question in this article and and I kind of want your take on it. Are we too fearful of this technology and it's not worthy of our fear or are we not fearful enough? You know what? I uh, or too, too too soon to tell. I read a story the other day that that 
every, every, nearly every, almost every, let's say almost every, because I don't know the, the exact numbers, but almost every Tesla sold in North America got recalled because of the autopilot. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. That was their feature. That was the big selling point. Right. Is, is it the autonomous sort of AI controlled driving and, and, and it doesn't work. It's not ready for prime time. I yeah, think these yeah. things are being rushed into the, 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 the public. They're being rushed into, into use. But we, I agree with a lot of the AI experts who have said, we need to take a breath. We need to slow down. We need to see where this is going to go, not just keep stampeding forward. The problem is that the Chinese and Indians and everyone, Russians and everybody else are not going to stop. So if it is something that is actually a dangerous or useful tool, do we want it in the hands of the people we don't trust? But I mean, that's been, that's been since sure. the beginning of time. Absolutely. You know, the you had question. iron, we had wood. You had, sure. you know, guns, we had knives. Yeah, but just, guns, germs, and steel is why we are where we are today, right? <laughs> it's a good book. You ever read that book? Uh, another happy episode of <laughs> Taking Pictures. <laughs> I don't know. I just... Um... I, I, I used to be hopeful about technology, and somewhere along the line, I became fearful of technology. Yes. Even as somebody who kind of knows about technology. Yeah. By the way... <laughs> My nephew, but I don't think. Okay, wait. Can, yeah. can we can sure. I say one more thing? Yeah, sure. It's just to, to clarify. I don't think it's the technology itself that I am fearful of. Way people it's are the using people it. who control the technology. Yes, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And and the the I the mean, electricity is just electricity, and the perverse incentives of the people using it. Yes, you know that's the problem. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. The other day I had my. M1 Max MacBook Pro with 64 gigs of RAM, like pretty high-end laptop. And my nephew was giving me crap. He's like, this thing's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> because because it couldn't play Fortnite Battle Royale. Because there is well, no version okay. for Mac. It's a, I was, yeah, I was gonna say it's a Mac. He's like, why is uh, this why one. is this why is this computer crappy? It can't even play Fortnite. What is this crazy old version of Fortnite you can play on this? It's like from four years ago. And, and I was just thinking how there was a time where I would have built a gaming PC just to prove him wrong. Right. You know, <laughs> screw that. I'm going to spend $700 on a gaming PC and make some stuff, you know. Uh, but um, now I'm just like, well, you know what? My technology is a tool that I use to... Techno I don't have a lot of technology that is technology for its own sake, and that used to be something yeah. I would do. You know, Bert, this particular laptop doesn't come with a blue screen of death. Oh, snap. <laughs> Bert, Bert got a bunch of uh, uh, parts in, to build a real gaming PC. Uh, so he can play Fortnite. Yesterday, so he or on, on Monday, so he could play Fortnite. Now, do you have to go down and assemble the thing for him? Because you're... Uncle Billy, the computer guy. Well, I am, but his father's also into computers, and Bert is well, you're, well, figuring that out. Actually, re re revised. You're Uncle Billy, the old heavy computer that won't play Fortnite guy. I, <laughs> I know. I'm like, Bert, actually, this is a really good computer. It is actually incredibly light for what it is, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hand me that controller, would you? Yeah, I can, I can decode 12, <laughs> 12 lanes of uh, ProRes 
raw. Yeah, but I'm getting 30 frames a second here. All my friends are getting over 100. What are we talking about? Exactly. What are we talking about? I did it's feel like playing a slideshow. I did feel a little. Uh, I felt a little emasculated. I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you know what? You Bill went home and Googled system requirements for Fortnite. <laughs> I, I did go home and and do some searches on uh, on Amazon for a gaming mouse, just so I could go on there and learn how to play enough that I can you know kick his ass a couple See, times. I, I didn't even know that Fortnite was still a thing. I thought I thought they had moved past that, but oh, I guess. No. It's still a big thing. And it's thing. all about, I guess, having the, the you, I don't know, you, you, you put on skins of p- different people. Like you could play as like a yoked Peter Griffin and like run around and shoot people. Like it's all about, you pay like $10 to buy these skins oh, so they're, and they're, stuff. Okay. So they're that's making, how they monetize. They're monetizing the customization. Okay. Yeah. And so the kids have different skins and different whatever, and you can go in as, and then you could play an entirely Lego version of it where it's all the same stuff you had, except it's a Lego version of it. That's fun. It's, it's all very weird. I, I will tell you, I, I got it running enough on my, on my Mac and I was like, what is going on? Cause there is an old version on the Mac. It's before Epic and, and, uh, Apple started fighting about the whole app store thing. Right. And so. You can play this version and my laptops, the battery's going and it's getting hot. And I was like, what is going on here? And I thought, oh, and I go into activity monitor and it's an Intel app. Okay. So I was playing this game in emulation. And as I'm looking at, I'm looking at Fortnite images now. I mean, it looks for a game that's free. It is crazy good looking. Yeah. I mean, Warzone is the same way. Call of Duty Warzone, same thing. I, it's just, it's free, amazing free. to me that you can play these things for nothing or next to nothing that look that good, you know? And even as part of my, uh, part of my crazy uh, thing on Amazon Prime, you can play games streamed over the Amazon gaming system. Yeah. Or like streams the game, which is just crazy to me. Anyway, technology is going in directions that I, I just felt like an idiot. I felt, I remember when I was a kid and my aunt had a Wang word processor at her house because she did word processing as like a side job. Right. And I would bring my discs up there and be like, can I play wizardry on this? Like, why can't I put my disc in here? And Aww, little Billy spending the afternoon playing with his Wang. Uh, <laughs> uh and I couldn't because it was not a computer. It was just a word processor. Just a word processor, yeah. And this is, you know, 1985 or something. But I remember thinking, like, oh, this thing sucks. And now I think about it, I'm like, cool. It was like a Wang word processing terminal. That was actually kind of cool at the time, if I'm looking at it from today's point of view. And I right. totally just got that from my 13-year-old nephew. Well, and now I got uh, Microsoft just brought Xbox Game Pass to the MetaQuest headset. So you can play cloud gaming on the MetaQuest with its giant, you know, virtual screen so inside. if I bought a MetaQuest, I could then play Fortnite in 3D or, you know, inside the headset yes. with my nephew. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a great idea. It's, it's, how much Dramamine does the world have? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, all these games are all about, you, you, you know, you have forward, back, left and right. But really, it's all about like aiming with the mouse. Right. You know, it's a mouse and keyboard. It's a mouse and keyboard thing. I Nobody's guess you're winning it. those rounds playing with a controller. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they just they don't they don't move fast enough. Because you can like whip the the the, the yes. mouse around. But either way, you can't really do it with a trackpad or a trackball. It's a real mouse kind of thing, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because uh, I tried doing it with the trackpad on the laptop. This did not end well. And they're like, they're, he's shooting at you. He's shooting at you. I was like, I'm trying to aim at the guy and it's not. <laughs> but I mean, think about for, for $500. Yeah. Okay. First of all, you cannot build a decent gaming rig for $500. And you can barely buy, well, I guess the consoles are 500 for a PS5. And uh, although Microsoft just dropped the price of the Xbox One Series, or not Xbox One, Xbox Series X to three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. Um, that's pretty good if you're just building a little machine. It's fantastic. It's it's ridiculously powerful for what it is. Yeah. Uh, and and Best Buy and I think Walmart they've got an additional fifty off, so you can get it for three fifty. Um, you know, or you can spend five hundred and get a MetaQuest three. The problem with the cloud gaming, and this is what I have found anyway, is that if you play, if you want to play at night. Yeah, or if you want to play any time after, let's say lunch on the weekends, too much latency. You're no, you're just going to wait to oh, launch the game because in. there are so many people playing. There will be a wait. Um, they're putting hundreds of millions of dollars into that because what Microsoft wants is they want you to be able to game on your phone, on a Meta, on a TV, on a wherever without having to buy a console. Yeah. So what? their 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 idea of technology is really expanding cloud computing for gaming. I wonder whether cloud computing will finally come to the mainstream. Well, I will tell you when I installed and started playing Fortnite battle Royale last night on cloud gaming on my 5k monitor did not look great because they're not pushing that kind of resolution. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think they would be capable of pushing that much. Yeah. Right. Right. At 60 frames a second at, at 4k. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a big pipe. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, to, to me, it drove me crazy just not having to be high res. Now, if I was on a TV and I was 10 feet away, maybe it wouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. But, you know, having a monitor to 18 inches from my face, it, you noticed it. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's just, it's interesting because you still game a little bit, right? I do. Yeah. yeah. See, I have, I, I I have don't an Xbox game. Series S. Now, if you were going to, if would you say console? If you were going to say getting into gaming? I would because I don't, I spent a lot of years sort of hunched over the keyboard gaming on a PC, I prefer the types of games that I play now. I prefer sitting on the sofa, you know, beverage next to me. I I play adventure games now. I don't play games that require me to have massive Twitch skills because I don't have those skills anymore. Yeah. 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 You know, I want to, I want to be told a story and I want to be given enough flexibility so it doesn't feel like it's on rails, but I also don't want it to be a completely open world where I can do anything I want because then I become overwhelmed by the number of choices that I have. Sure. And I just end up riding the horse around Aww. or, you know, stealing a car and just driving around the city. That's what happens to you if you play Zelda or one of those games. Not so much Zelda because there's there's definitely a story there. But if I play like, you know, Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption sure. or or any of the real big, op- even Assassin's Creed, any of the, the newer uh, Odyssey or or Origins. There's so much to do that I just become anxious about the whole thing. And I just end up walking around the land and talking to people. You know, I've always, <laughs> I felt for a long time that I didn't want to get into, uh, I didn't want to get into gaming cause it would just suck my time up and it felt wrong, you know, mm-hmm. to be wasting time, feel like wasting time playing games. Then there's another part of people that says, you know, play is a good thing for humans and you should play more, you know, is, is sort of the argument. It a hundred percent is. And, and storytelling has gotten so much better, right? Yep. I mean, the last experiences you had were, you know, probably Zelda or, you know, the era of doom and quake where it's like, 
If it moves, kill it. That's the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas now, my gosh, there there are such great storytellers that are using gaming as their medium, but they really are just telling stories. It's interactive cinema. Yeah. Um. And and so in that respect, I think that there's there's value. I've gotten ideas for for projects based on some of the things or, or paintings or, or even writing projects that I've seen or experienced in games. I think yeah. it's just another form of inspiration, not unlike going to the symphony or going to a museum or going to a movie. You know, you, you take the inspiration where you can get it. And I don't think that, that uh, at least for me, I'm, I'm not willing to cast off gaming as simply entertainment because it's become so much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking of getting the new Baldur's Gate, which everyone says is amazing. Supposed to be incredible. Game of the year on a lot of people's lists. But I also know that when I used to play Wizardry and Bard's Tale and Might and Magic and all those games that this is sort of the latest version 30 years later of, uh, it was not good for my psyche. Mm. <laughs> you know, like it got, it got, it got messy real quick. You know, I, I, I spent way too much time playing it. And, and, you know, per our conversation last week, people like you and I who have more free time than most, Hmm, maybe that's a bad idea. You know, that's just kind of where yeah. my brain was playing. I don't know if that's true or it's, not. But. You know, it's interesting. I I used to put a lot more time. I spent more time playing games when I had less of it than I do now. Oh, interesting. I'll go in and I'll, I'll sit down. If I play for an hour, that's a really long gaming session. Oh, okay. I'll play for a half hour at a time, 45 minutes at a time, and then I'm done. I couldn't do... You know, like I have friends who, who, you know, they go on these five and six and seven hour raids of, sure. of dungeons. And I'm like, I don't even, I don't even understand that. Anymore. I don't understand seven hours. It's... Yeah, I really don't. Um, so I think, I think if you, you know, if you, I mean, you could, you could do something as, as simple as set a timer and go, look, I'm going to play for a half hour at a time. It'll take you forever to get through Baldur's Gate because it's probably 70 hours or some craziness, but right. you know, it's, it's at least giving you the experience, you know, I tend to, I tend to treat these things as, as like a half hour or an hour television program and then I'm done. Okay. All right. And I'll come back to it. It takes me forever to, to finish anything, but I don't want to get sucked into that world to your point of, of everything else goes away because I've got to clear this dungeon before I go, you know, finish this project for a client yeah. who's yeah, yeah, paying yeah. me, yeah. you know, whatever. It's, it's my wife's standing behind me, Bill, uh, Bill. So we yeah. got, we got to eat dinner. Hold on a second. I just, you know, and then, and then she does the classic thing where she comes over and just pulls the power plug. <laughs> what? I didn't even save my characters, mom. <laughs> I'll take out the trash after dinner. <laughs> I feel like that's how it is. I totally feel like we were doing that to my nephew. This it's like, come on, Bert, we got to go. He's like, just one second. I'm in the hold middle on, of hold a on, hold on. Yeah. Hey, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe you should get something like a, like a switch where it's. So I could carry it around at all times and play with it. Oh, that's right. No, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking that like, it's, it's not really powerful enough to play AAA games like a Baldur's Gate, but there are other things that you can play and the style of games that it generally has are maybe, maybe easier to kind of dip in and out of. Sure, sure, sure. I, I, you know, I, uh, uh. I have a high-end iPad too. Can I play any of this stuff on my high-end iPad? You absolutely can, and you can uh, you can get Game Pass, uh, Microsoft Game Pass, and play all the Game Pass stuff. Okay, because I, I have an M1 iPad, so I should. Be yeah, able it'll to... work fine. I'm okay. playing. Yeah, it's fine. All right. 
So maybe I'll, maybe I'll get it. What does Baldur's Gate cost now? What do these games cost? Twenty nine ninety nine. No, AAA games now are seventy dollars. Sixty nine Wow, they really get you, don't they? Yeah, but I mean, think about it. Games haven't gone up in price in decades. I mean, they were fifty nine dollars for you know twenty years. It's true, and and you know what? If it's if it's sixty bucks and is giving you you know thirty hours of fun or fifty hours of fun then it should be fine, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. All right. I'm going to... Everybody's, everybody's looking to be the next GTA. Right? That's Grand that's Theft what, Auto. That, I know what that means. Yeah. That's the target. GTA has, has earned, I think it's over $8 billion. How that, that one the, GTA 5. Not, not, not the other games combined. Just GTA 5. Has earned. I think. I think I read the other day. It was at, at as as of twenty late twenty twenty three, around eight billion dollars. All right, Baldur's Gate three for the Mac on Steam right now fifty fifty three ninety nine. Yeah. So, you know, plus there's a yeah, digital here. deluxe edition DLC. What is the downloadable content for? Usually, uh, just probably m- more missions, more dungeons, etc. I got to pay for that um, now. I got to pay for everything. Yeah. Here, uh, GTA five hundred and ninety million copies shipped over eight billion, eight and a half billion dollars in worldwide revenue. Wow, that's just crazy. Yeah. Well, you know what? So. Good for those people. Um, hey, we got a question here from yeah. Perrin Bishop Wright. Hey, hello, hello. The, How are the, you? The topic of Arturia gear got me wondering if you've ever looked in the world of using MIDI controllers as a Lightroom control inter- control surface. I last mm. week got an Arturia Beat Step to use with an LIR LR control plugin from Light for Lightroom yep. and uh, peltmade.com. Uh, there's also an open source project called MIDI to LR that does something similar. It's super cool. Great way to be able to have more DAW-esque experience. Keep them coming. Have you played with any of this stuff? I haven't, but um, it's an interesting idea. The, the Beat Step is... Um, it's a little sequencer. It's got, uh, I think it's got 16 knobs and 16 pads on it. I think that's, if that's the one that I'm thinking of, or it's, it's either got eight or 16. Um, that could be used. I think it's 12 and 12 by okay. what I'm looking at here. But yeah, but basically what, what you're saying is that these are totally pro- programmable buttons and whatever it is, we can make them do whatever we want. So let's make one be exposure, one be white balance, one be shadows. Yeah. And then you can question... zip between pictures. I question the efficiency because they're not labeled. So I, now I have to remember that encoder number three is contrast, not vibrance. Sure. I mean, I'm that, sure once I, you get the muscle memory down that, or you could stick little pieces of sticker tape if you really wanted to, right? Yeah, maybe. I, I, for me, I've never found, I don't edit. If I was a wedding, for, let me start this sentence over 17 times. If I were an event photographer and I had to go through and tweak 500 pictures. Yeah. I feel like this might make sense in the same way that, you know, the people who are serious colorists are getting the triple trackball thing, controller stuff for resolve or whatever. Yeah. Um, For me, my limitation is not that I can't, that it takes too long for me to, to mouse down to this and slide the slider. Right. I don't know that I would find even DAW-esque experience, he says, which is true. And while I have 
you know, mixed on SSL consoles before, I don't find that it's the actual turning of knobs or moving a mouse to turn a knob or a controller that is the thing that's slowing down my process. Mm. I haven't mixed on a console in 20 years. Right. But I've mixed music since then, all in a box, as it were, as they say. Um, so for me, I don't know that this would help, but didn't we earlier on in the run of the show, one of those companies sent me the ones that was click a, together was with, that, with yeah, magnets? It was it was pretty primitive at the time from what I remember. There's another yeah. company called Loop Deck okay. that does, um, they're similar to some of the Elgato, Elgato um, Stream Deck things in that there are little programmable tiles screens. Yes. And one of them's even got like a jog shuttle wheel, I think. Yep. Um, I could see that maybe being a little more useful because again, you're, you're seeing, you're seeing what these knobs and dials do. I mean, to, to, to go back to the gaming thing for a second, I, I game so infrequently that when I go back to playing a game, I either have to start over or I have to go look at the manual because I don't remember what the buttons on the controller are controlling. Right. So for me, something like this, I think would be to your point, unless I'm editing photos all the time, by the time I got back to it, I would have forgotten what I set it up to do. Sure. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, this loop deck one, you know, yeah, there's already built in ones for shadows, highlights, clarity, exposure, blacks, whites. I also don't know that I, in the same way that when I have edited photos on an iPad and I'm making decisions with a pen versus a mouse. Hmm. I feel like I make different and arguably worse decisions. Huh? Like I don't something about the accuracy or I also, even though the screen on my laptop is just as accurate as my screen here, like they're, they're both the same brightness. They have both the same curve. When I make, if I'm sitting somewhere and I make edits on my laptop and then come home and look at them on my big screen, I, I think that I must've been smoking crack while I was making those decisions. It's always been. I can I can't make good decisions on a laptop. It's part of the reason huh. why I never use a laptop as a I, I couldn't just, you know, there are people who just, oh, I have a 16-inch laptop and that's my computer. It's like right. I I don't there's something about a sec another screen and having knowing I don't know, there's something about the size. I don't know what it is. Um but one time I edited and retouched on an on an iPad. And then came back and had to do redo the whole thing when I sat down at a real computer. Mm. I know people are going to give me crap for saying real computer. Right. Um, for for me, it's just it just doesn't it doesn't feel natural. And maybe it's just that this is what I've been doing for twenty years. And yeah. for people who are illustrators and people who use pens all the time, using that feels more natural. Or people who are used to turning knobs need knobs for their DAW or knobs for for Lightroom. For me, it doesn't make much sense. The, I I would love to take one of these loop deck CTs for a spin, especially if I could use it in my DAW uh, to control some of the VST, you know, parameters in in some of the plugins, and I could use it in you know Photoshop or Affinity or Lightroom or whatever. I like the idea of the screen being programmable and having a little jog oh, shuttle, see. whether that's for zoom or or. Um, you know, uh, uh, tap one of the buttons and then use the the jog wheel to control the parameters of that button. Th- that makes a little more sense than something that's completely unlabeled 
and and being sold to me under under the guise of completely customizable. Well, that's great, and I'm sure it is. Yeah. But as I said, I'm going to forget how I set the thing up without a little prompting. Yeah, this LoopTech CT thing that you're talking about sort of is like the uh, the buttons on the new Fuji, right? Where right next to the buttons, it tells you what the buttons do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, in, uh, on the screen, it tells you what you have that button programmed to be. Um. Which is yeah, really the CT, neat. great, but man, five hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's five hundred dollars. Like I, 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 to me, that is not in any way worth five hundred dollars. Um, no, but but now that said, if 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 Loop Deck wanted to send a couple of them over and and I let mean, us play with them, we convince would do it. us, Loop Deck. You know, right. it, I mean, um, you know, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. <laughs> we'll send you our our our, our mailing addresses. <laughs> um, yeah, for I don't know for um just not the way I work. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like when people say, Oh, you need this new computer. Cause it can run, you know, Gaussian blur lens blur five times faster than the one you can now. Well, I don't run lens blur that often. The efficiency of things in Photoshop for me, I want it to feel responsive when I'm drawing or clicking or, you know, uh, moving, uh, curves around. I don't. I know that it's hard to test those things and make benchmarks on them, but if the big advantage is that it runs uh, plugins faster, well, I don't run any plugins really, so that right. is not the thing that's slowing me down. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm sure for some people this works. It doesn't do anything for me. Um, what do you think? That said, you would be willing to try one. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know. By the yeah. way, the other thing I was thinking of the palette was the thing I tried. Oh, right, 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 right. That was a little snap together guy. Yeah, snap together guy. And this, uh, apparently they still make them as of 2018 because you can still buy them. Well, pallet gear. Yeah, they're still around. And the new versions have screens and stuff. Look, I'm sure they're lovely, but they always looked like something that you put together at Fry's. And they felt like that. They felt very light. It's crazy. It's almost what I want them to do is put some lead weights in them. Right, like they do with some of the mice. Yeah, uh, you, you <laughs> know, give it a little more heft. There's a thing about high end uh, audio gear. It's all about how the pots feel, mm-hmm. like how mm-hmm. turning the knob feels, and if it feels dampened or weighted or whatever. Like that's so much of the feel of why you pay a lot for stuff. By yeah. the way, I was watching Bosch last night, and I noticed he has a uh, it was a Macintosh like two forty two amp on his thing oh, at I, his house. I, yeah. I got crazy about his stereo that he has what he's rocking and mm-hmm. i was reading up on that that uh amp and and it was like one of the last uh macintosh two amps before they went solid state and it's very well regarded and you could buy them for like three thousand dollars used which i know is a lot of money but it's also could be the last amp you ever buy in your life if you do it right, right. but i was reading up on all these people online who were buying them and buying tubes from these like Russian websites to get ones that were still compatible and, you know, swapping out transistors and that went bad. And, you know, I mean, all this kind of crazy stuff, you know, it's hot um, rotting stuff, right? It's, it's, it's these no people were trying rotting cars. Right? Yeah. 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 But these people were trying to get this stuff back up to spec, but w- what was kind of crazy to me and I have, I don't have that much experience with tube amps and stuff was that the people said, do not turn it on unless you have a load across the speaker terminals and you have make sure all these things are seated right and make sure this is correct and make sure that is correct. Basically that if you use it incorrectly in any way, you could burn down your house. It's <laughs> basically what I gathered correct. from these, from these articles. And I was thinking, you know, the one thing I like about my solid state amp, which is a very nice ad amp 
is that I don't feel like I'm going to burn it, burn down my house if I turn it on and don't have speakers plugged in. Right. You know, as good as this thing might sound as this crazy fancy tube amp. You want to just go walk in and, and, and I'm just going to pop this on and listen to something. Yeah. My system sounds pretty damn good. Yeah. I don't know that I need a Macintosh, uh, 240 to, to, to really understand. I don't really think you do. No, no. In, in your, you know, apartment in the middle of New York where no. it's not a pristine listening environment. Yeah. I mean, I mean you I have, build I have yourself a, a chamber. Okay. Well, I have a, the funny thing is, I mean, my stereo is pretty high end and yes, and it's, it's fine. Like, is that going to get my, if my stereo is a 93 out of a hundred, do I really need the last seven tenths? <laughs> you know? Um, although a friend of mine, and you might like this actually, uh, the, whose house we went to over, uh, Christmas, uh, had a Rensilva W R E N S I L V A. Let me see if it comes up. Espresso machine. Uh, no modern stereo consoles that look like old school stereo consoles. Oh, okay. 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 I'm sending you a link in the thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, have I seen these? The ones that are, are they Walnut? Is that what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They had one, uh, the other day and it, any good. Uh, yes. Uh, it sounded great. Um, the only thing I didn't like about it, and I don't know if it was the records or something that was going on. Wow. They charged $10,000 for these things. Um, <laughs> See for ten thousand dollars, you're you're buying it for the looks. Yeah, you know? but for ten thousand dollars, you can get a beautifully restored vintage console. For, or for ten thousand dollars, you could buy a Macintosh two forty and some. You could buy Bosch's stereo system for less than ten thousand dollars, <laughs> and that's going to sound way better than this thing. Hmm. Um, but anyway, it works with Sonos and things. That there were a couple of records that he put on where records I know very well. Um, where the piano was distorting and stuff. And I was like, is that the, the turntable in here or the amplifier? Or is it that these pressings are distorted? I didn't, I I couldn't quite figure out, you know, what the problem was. Mm. Um, but it looked really cool. And sometimes how it looks is all that matters. I figured this would be right up your alley. Uh, I, it's interesting. They're neat looking, but knowing that they don't, sound very good uh, relative to the price. I would rather have something that if I'm going to have something that doesn't sound very good, I'd rather have something from the mid fifties that I know is a legit piece of furniture from the, from the mid century. Yeah. Or buy one of those from the mid century and then yeah, mod the hell out of it. Swap the speakers out for really high end things behind the grills and, and all the rest of it. Yeah. 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 The stereo Bosch has all of it's from the seventies and sixties. It's all vintage gear. Actually, I think the speakers are from the early eighties. But you can buy them for a couple thousand dollars a pair, so it's it's not it's a very expensive stereo, obviously to normal people. But it's not a you know I, it's not the hundred thousand dollars stereos I've seen before. People at right. their house. Um, anyway, I do love what a big role music plays in that show. Yeah, and his love for jazz and how he mm-hmm. always just keeps bringing it up. It's a uh, it's pretty nerdy in a in in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who'd you have for photographer of the week? You had a couple ideas. Yes. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this guy's last name. Oh, it boy. is Alain Lebois. Okay. Is that how you would pronounce that? L-A-B-O-I-L-E. Alain Lebois, okay. I think. Um, now, so here's here's how this came about. Real quick story. Okay. Uh, friend of the show and, and somebody who I 
uh, think is one of the most amazing human beings is David Dushman. I love David. Yep. We've been friends for a long time. David had a uh, crazy it, year. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know uh, David Dushman, please go look him up. Uh, look him up. D a v i d d u c h e m i n. Yeah. Yep. Uh, dot com or Craft and Vision. So David, uh, back in the day, had had this ebook empire uh, called Craft and Vision, and he had a bunch of artists and photographers, and and they would write these ebooks, and and uh, he came in right at the right time. David used to produce a magazine called Photograph, and it was a quarterly magazine that would present uh, portfolios of different photographers. I was cleaning out hard drives and moving things from old drives to new drives because I got a couple of new SSDs, and uh, in in my my ebook folder, uh, I, I, oh, Craft and Vision. I started looking through it and I found all the old back issues of Photograph. And Alain was one of the photographers featured in an issue of Photograph. And I was just reminded of what an incredible photographer he is, particularly a body of work called La Familia, uh, which has been going on, I think, since 2006. It's just him documenting his family, but it is so well done. Yeah, beautiful. Black imagery. and white absolutely gorgeous in some of it is in the vein of Sally Mann's immediate family, especially with all like the little nude kids running around outside. Yeah. Um, and he wanted to do this work as, as a record for his kids. He wanted them to have photographs of themselves as children. And, and, and they're just some really beautiful work in there. Um, you know, whenever I see is... images like this of people taking pictures of their family, I always think about the fact that the family is involved. The family has to buy into this. Sure. You're not doing this as a, come on, dad, stop taking pictures of me. That will never work. These, everyone has to be okay with him shooting all the time and sometimes yeah. play with him to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And, and boy, what characters his family are. Yes. Um, or were at the time. Um, just, I, I can't say enough good things about this work. I really love it. And uh, there's a book available He's got a few books available, but the one that is still available pretty readily is called Summer of the Fawn. Um, and it's about 30 euro, uh, looks like, um, from the publisher. Okay. But man, if, if you, he's a sculptor in addition to being a photographer. There's one picture in here, Bill, of, of the little kid running through the, the, the smoky backyard. It looks like something out of uh, Fisher King, uh, the big sculpture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jump, jumping. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, just some really great stuff in here. So if you're a fan of of candids and family shots and and just really beautiful composition, uh, or or know of Sally Mann's uh, immediate family body of work and and want more of the same or more of of something similar anyway, go check out. It's definitely not as it feels more a little more snapshotty than Sally Mann stuff, probably because he wasn't shooting an eight by ten. You know, yeah, sure, like, sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it uh uh it feels more uh small camera in a good way, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, uh, absolutely amazing work. Do you to you is it as much about is the family stuff your favorite chunk of this work? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've I've ordered a copy of the the Summer of the Fawn book, so I'm I'm curious to see it. One of the things that I don't like about it, I, I looked at a flip through of it, and either he or, you know, the picture editor or whoever designed the book. This, this is something I, I feel very strongly about this. So, so stop putting double 
truck images with the subject in the gutter. Oh, that's the worst. Stop it. Like, if you it can't do that, just put it on one side and leave a bunch of empty space. Yeah, I'd rather have a smaller af- and whole picture. Yeah, exactly. If you can't afford a gatefold that, that, that folds out, please stop putting landscape format images as double truck images with the main focus of the subject going through the gutter. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's a poor choice. Yeah. You're not doing any good for the photograph. You're not, you're not making me want to see more. You're, yeah. you're just making me focus on the fact that, that, you know, you, you don't have really great compositional skills when it comes to laying out a book. Uh, maybe AI did it. <laughs> maybe AI did it. <laughs> 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 and there we are. And there it is. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that's the only complaint that I have about the book from what I've seen in the flip through is some of the some of the really great images in this body of work they did as double truck images and sure. and they they cut right down the middle of it, which is goofy. Well, Don't we're going to yeah, I'll put uh yeah, I'll use one of these as the uh image for the post on the website. Um very, very good choice. How'd you find this guy originally? I'm sorry, just you saw his his work on the he was Dushman in, thing. He was in one of Dushman's magazines, one of okay. his issues of Photograph, which I think, I don't know what issue. You can't get it. Well, actually you can. You can still buy all of the. Okay. Okay. Wait, real quick, real quick. You want a masterclass in merchandising. Go visit David Dushman's website. I will tell you, this guy, I, I, I love how on point David is. Um, in merch. You can buy collections of his books. You can buy, you know, it, it, it's just great. It's great. Every, everything that he's done, his, his complete body of work is still available. And I just love it. I can't say enough good things about him. I will also say that seeing him rocking the new foot. Yeah. Um, Cause David lost his leg um, and he's got one of those um, kind of running blade things. And seeing him move around on that thing is very heartening. Um, yeah. It's kind and of amazing. he was up and around in no time relative to. Yeah. He was just like within know. three days I was, jo- I was like jogging with it. Yeah. You know, and it's just yeah. to, to be able to, to not be able to move for so long and then be able to do that has to be exhilarating. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, another example of per our thing last thing, it's like you and I are so lucky in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you see this that kind of thing, and you think, "Yep, stop, stop complaining, get moving." Yeah, yeah. Um, He's a good guy. If you're unfamiliar with David, really good guy. Uh, He's a he's a terrific photographer. He's an even better writer. And I've I've said for years that he will be more remembered, I think, for his words than for his pictures. And his pictures are damn good. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, Um, if you guys want to get a hold of us. Uh, 929-390-1916 and remember if you leave us a message and don't say otherwise we can stick it in the show and uh, podcast (laughs) podcast at ontakingpictures.com to send us both email we love getting email we love getting voicemails we love hearing from you guys we love you going to iTunes and rating the show uh, as long as it's a good rating no rate it anyway even if you think it's bad but if what are you doing listening to it if you think it's bad I, yeah, I mean, we hope it's good. I, I, hope, I, I would think that like people it. enjoy the show. They say they enjoy the show. I hope. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, yeah. We will we will talk to you in the new the new in twenty twenty four. Oh wait, yeah, because it's twenty seventh. Is that? Oh, uh, that's wild, right? What year was Blade Runner? 
82. No, no, no. What year was it supposed to be in the future? Oh, uh, 2049. That was the last one, though, wasn't it? Uh, 2019. Sorry, 2019. Yeah. Finally, we get the right answer. Is it 2019? <laughs> it's 2019. Sorry. 2049 was, was, was Gosling. Right, 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 right. Um, so, yeah, so we're already past that. So forget it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see you in 2024. And it's going to be an amazing year. That's what I, that's, I'm putting it down right now. Really? Yeah. It's going to be, it's my New Year's resolution is to make 2024 an amazing year. My, my New Year's resolution is to get through 2024. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I think we can do that. I think we can uh, make I that can work. Get, if I can get, if I and we can get through it, you know, ain't no way through it but to do it, as they say. Yeah. Uh, I, do they uh, say that, though? Uh, Heather's, uh, Heather had a friend from Vermont whose father, one time we were doing this. You ever see that thing I did where I made the... Uh, did a rip off of the Rockwell thing where the people are talking to each other's ears. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah. one of the guys who was in that was wearing what's called a chamois shirt, which is like this, you know, uh, kind of, um, uh, fluffy kind of button down kind of thing, you know, that they wear yeah. up there like a flannel. Yeah. Uh, they call them chamois shirts. And, uh, he, every, he was trying to get into the mode of being like his grandfather in Vermont. And all he would say is like, the only thing between getting it done and, and or, or thinking it and getting it done is doing it. Right. And that's, right. you know, and so he just sit there. The only thing between thinking and getting it done is doing it. And he was, so whenever I think about stuff, I think, yep, just do it. Uh, wait, are we going to ask you one question Nike? before we go? Yeah, sure. When's Perry coming over? Uh, tomorrow, actually, I think, or the next day. I got to, I got to text him right now, actually. All right. So by year's end, you get it on this, get it on this year's write-off by, by year's end, you could have an S a second. Uh, yes, yes. Although I sort of came around to the idea that I'm definitely selling the one I have, whether or not I get the new one. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> that was 90 seconds in. I'm like, yeah, take this back. Right? It's not just me. <laughs> Bill hands me this camera and I'm like, mm. no. <laughs> so I'm looking at it. Mm. Take a couple pictures. Click, 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 click. Mm. Nah, take it yeah, back. It's, it doesn't bring any joy. But you yeah. know what? We're moving on to the new world and we're going we're gonna to make the world a better place. Hey, listen, I could get, a, I could get another Z for $2,000. The the wide angle lens that mine is getting a little funky because the clutch is broken. Mm. Used to be a thousand dollars. Now you can get them for three fifty. Why would I mean you? I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> Why don't I just use the Pentax? I didn't say that, but that's what I was going to say. Uh. Hey, by the way, yeah. Excellent editing on the fade out. Of the last episode. <laughs> oh, I don't even remember what was happening. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to say, go listen to it. It was, it was very cute. Okay. And not, in a, and not in a good way. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right. Uh, we uh, will talk to you next week, my friend. All right. See you. Bye. Say what you want to say Though I know
say, I know what you will say, will leave.